0: Welcome back to the Jungle with your host, Marty Tallman, the lead fantasy baseball analyst at Motor City Bengals. You can find me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman. I hope you enjoyed the show with Roger and Chris, as always. Um, I see that you've been on a bunch of them as well. I mean, he's one of the best guys, you know, uh, in the Motor City Bengals space. So uh, it's awesome just to hear his voice each week. Um, Today's going to be a fun, uh, fun segment. Uh, We're uh, as usual, we're going to cover some major headlines and injuries from around the league. You know, I'll give my fantasy spin on it. Um, But we're also going to, and I'm actually pumped for this segment, uh, we're going to take a look at which pitchers you should be selling high or buying low based on their expected stats versus their actual stats. Um, So it's going to be, you know, just a really good, uh, because as you know, it's becoming fantasy baseball uh, trading season is upon us. So we got to start seeing which players we need to sell high on or buy low. So let's just hop right into it. We're going to start with the uh, the major headlines here. So uh, Ian Hatch, Chicago uh, Cubs outfielder, he is still out of the lineup as of Friday. So, um, you know, I don't know if you saw the collision with him and Nico Horner on Sunday, but uh, it was pretty hellacious. So um, he's still out of the lineup. Uh, for those in um, weekly leagues, you know, I hope you benched them. Uh, I would bench him for the weekend. I wouldn't even mess with it. And then, you know, you you and your um, head-to-head, maybe daily leagues, you know, take a look each day and kind of see, you know, how, how he's doing. But as of now, he's still out of the lineup, but not on the IL. <clears throat> Jerry Kelnick, so the top prospect for the Mariners. This is super exciting. Um, he's in AAA. That's where he's going to be starting here. He's one of the best prospects in, um, in all of baseball, uh, specifically an outfielder. He has, you know, all the tools he can contribute in every category and in this first game in triple a he hit two home runs so it's just it's it's going to be a matter of time until he's up you know he's 21 years old but you can just tell he's he's ready for the he's ready for the show i already picked him up in a 10 team home league i would suggest stashing him now he should be up by the end of the month and he could be an instant um you know an instant person to pop into your lineup and start helping you in every category especially in roto So super exciting. I I haven't seen the video of those homers, but I was looking for it. Um, Andrew Heaney, so he's had an up and down, you know, career just in general. He's the starting pitcher for the Angels. Uh, But last night he recorded 10 strikeouts over six and two-thirds and no decision against the Rays. So, I mean, he looked amazing if you were able to see it. Uh, He had a 36% CSW. Um, You know, he was in line for the win, but they, they blew it. Um, the, the bullpen blew it as it's done a lot this year. Uh, Rossio Iglesias has been a disaster. Um, but yeah, it's good to see he. I mean, he's not, he's been, I mean, you know, the strikeouts are going to be there for him. So obviously that's a, you know, it's something you always want to invest in, in fantasy. As of now, he's 73% rostered on Yahoo League. So, you know, he's still out there in a few, but yeah, he looked, uh, he looked otherworldly for him. So keep an eye on him. Uh, Shohei Otani connected with the two run homer last night. It was, I mean, what he's doing is absolutely amazing. I just, it's one of the best things I've ever seen in baseball, just in general. Um, Manuel Margot, so the outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays, he was formerly on the Dodgers. Um, He got a a hit game tying RBI single and stole a base, uh, you know, yesterday, or stole uh, two bases yesterday. So, Keep an eye out on him. I mean, he's floating around on a lot of waiver warriors. If you do need steals and you need some pop, looks like the Rays are playing him a little bit. So, keep an eye out on him. Um, and yeah, Madison Bumgarner. So he had an amazing um, uh, last time out. He was just absolutely amazing. He struck out seven batters over six innings. It was a no decision against the Marlins, but he retired to seventeen consecutive batters. So um, at one point, so we talk about him as if he's 40 years old, you know, and obviously all the stats say that his, um, you know, his velocity's down and everything, but he's only 31. He's still, he has a 29% CSW. So he's still contributing. So I would, I would not give up on him just completely yet. <laughs> um, the Dodgers uh, activated the right-handed pitcher, Joe Kelly, from the 10-day uh, IL. So he'll be uh, hopping back into that bullpen as, you know, the Dodgers is, Good as they are, they really do need some pitching help. So I'm glad that uh, he's going to be coming back for the team there. Um, <clears throat> let's just look at uh, some injuries around the league. Uh, Bryce Harper's still going to be out of the lineup. Um, I record this on um, it's a Friday morning here, May 7th. So he's just still being held out. Um, it's I don't know what's going on. They're not going to. It looks like they're not going to put him on the IL, but he still hasn't been uh, been playing too much here. So. Right. And it looks like uh, Max Stassi, so he's going to be placed on the 10-day concussions injured list that he uh, collided uh, with. I'm not exactly what he collided with, but he he was trying to catch a foul ball and (laughs) I don't know what happened. But yeah, so he's going to be on the um, the seven-day injured list. Byron Buxton, so he's day-to-day with a hip strain. So I don't know if the time is run out, you know, on him. Um, he's been absolutely amazing. I mean, he's, batting, he's slashing 370, 408, 772. Um, he's hitting home runs. He's even stole, you know, a bag or two. He's just been, you know, a godsend. But this is what we're always afraid of, him getting injured. So um, we'll see. We'll keep an eye out on that. But with Buxton, it's always something that's looming over you. <clears throat> Our Tiger zone. So the Wilson Ramos, he exited Thursday's game against the Red Sox with lower back tightness. So, um, you know, Griner took a spot. But uh, so we haven't heard anything too much, you know, but you, anytime it's back, you know, and he's, in the, you know, he's a catcher, they're probably going to take an extra safe with them. Uh, Gio Rochella, so third baseman for the Yankees. He was removed from Thursday's game against the Astros. Um, it was something to do with his knee. So now he's going to be uh, getting an MRI today. I have him in a bunch of leagues, so I'm totally invested to see how he is. Um, hopefully it's you know not that big of a deal and he's able to get back onto the field. But you never want to um, you know see that, especially when you own him as much as I do. Uh, Kiki Hernandez, he's being evaluated for right hamstring tightness. So he left the, the game you know against the Tigers early. Uh, haven't got an update, but we'll see how he's doing. And then um, lastly here, uh, David Phelps, so the reliever for the A's. Um, I'm sorry, for the Blue Jays, he was uh, removed Wednesday night's game against the A's due to shoulder discomfort. So uh, we'll see. They're, they're expected to be a reevaluating him today. Um, I don't know if it's going to be anything too serious and then lastly, uh, the Blue Jays place uh, George Spring on the 10-day IL again with the right quad strain. So it's just been, um, you know, a brutal beginning to the season for him. You know, injuries piling on top of injuries. So for the season, he's three for 15. He has two home runs. He has a stolen base, but he's only played in four games. So obviously if you invested in him in fantasy, you're extremely frustrated. You know, just wait this out. Um, if you – if you think you can, try to you know. If you can, I would try to get him. You know, I try to trade for him. I, I would assume that the the owner of him was, probably isn't doing as well as he needs to be, he or she needs to be in their um, in their league. So if you have the opportunity, you know, I would try to see if you can um, you know buy low on uh, on George Springer. I think you'll be uh, I think you'll be happy with that. So yeah, that'll be uh, all the headlines and news here. Um, and now we're going to move into uh, the segment I most. You know, I wanted to leave a little bit of time for this because uh, there's a lot of stats we're going to be going through, and I think it's going to be super valuable for those who are starting to look to trade in your fantasy baseball league. So, if you play in the fantasy baseball season, then you know it's the beginning of the trade season, and we now have enough data, uh, although it's still a relatively small amount, but enough data to see which players. Are under and over performing based on their uh, advanced statistics. So today we're going to look at five pitchers that are outperforming the stats and then five pitchers that are underperforming. Um, now these players are great candidates to either sell high or buy low in your fantasy team. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, before we hop in, I would like to thank Mike Marr from fantasy pros. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Marr. It's uh, at M I K E M A H E R. He does this great article reviewing stat cast data and expected stats versus actual stats. Um, you can, it's just a, like a treasure, uh, a treasure chest of just, you know, Excellent information. He does a great job synthesizing it and then explaining why it's important. So make sure you follow him on Twitter and you make sure you um, read all his uh, really good work at Fantasy Pros. Um, and even if you don't like fantasy, you know you, you're going to see how this stuff can uh, benefit you. You're, you know, you can become a smarter fan. You know, by hopping more into these uh, statistics like XFIP and FIP and uh, all these, um, you know, stats which are just going to make you better in the long run. So let's have some fun and take take a look at some Statcast data.
1: Okay, we're going to start
0: looking at the hard-hit numbers, and I I do this just because it's fun. You know, there's nothing here that's going to probably surprise any of you uh, looking at the uh, guys who have the hardest hit percentage. Um, But, yeah, let's hop into it. It's just a fun thing to look at who's matching the ball. So, number one is Giancarlo Stanton. Hopefully – you were able to be savvy enough to realize that the beginning of the season was just you know some early growing pains you know him getting kind of back into um him getting back into shape um and you know getting prepared for the season and now you're reaping the benefits i was actually able to trade for him in one of my leagues and uh since i've done that he's got five home runs in two weeks his and this, these numbers are as of May 5th, so just a few days ago. Um, the, so, um, they may be you know updated now, but uh, looking at his chart, uh, John Stanton is a 65.8 hard hit percentage, so, um, he's hitting 65, nearly 66 percent of all his balls at a 95 miles an hour or more, um, and at a really good exit velocity, you know, between 8 and 32 degrees. So, um, it's it's just amazing what he's able to do. You know, he, he's such a masher. If you've been watching him, every single ball he hits, you know, it's like, oh, I mean, either he's going to strike out. Obviously, that's the downside of it. But, um, you know, when he does connect, it's just, it's still absolutely beautiful. He's already hit 48 balls, you know, over 95 miles an hour. So it's just, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, his teammates, number two, right behind him, Aaron Judge, 61.5. Percent hard hit rate. I mean, he he mashes as well. Um, he's not making contact as much as he he needs to be doing um, to be able to help that team. But uh, he's still mashing the ball when he gets it. Uh, number three, Ronald Acuna Jr. So I mean, this man, this guy does it all. Stealing, swiping bags. I think he he leads uh, all all of baseball in scored runs. Um, he's hit over, he's hit fifty two balls over ninety five miles an hour. I mean, he, when he hits it, it's, it's, again, he's mashing the ball in every way. His hard hit percentage is 59.8. Number four is Mike Trout. Um, his hard hit percentage is 57.9. Don't really need to say more about Mike Trout. He's the best player uh, in baseball potentially ever. And then number five is Manny Machado, 57.8% hard hit rate. So I, do, I go over this more just to show that, you know, hard hit, the best players are the ones that are really hitting the ball as hard as possible. And so, you know, I mean, if Stan was ever to stay healthy and judge, same thing, you know, they could be, you know, top 10 player every year. Not only in fantasy, but, you know, MVP voting and everything. Acuna, Trout, Machado. If you want to go a little bit further down the list, I mean, Jorge Soler, Fran Mel Reyes, um, you know, they just, Jorge Soler led the league in 2019 in home runs. Fran Mill's always hitting home runs. After that, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he's got a 54.8% hard hit rate. You know, so some of the best hitters in baseball. Um, and, then, yeah, I would implore you to uh, to hop on, take a look, see which players are uh, hitting the ball, um, you know, at a good rate. And reason being, you can find, you know, that maybe just the guys un- being unlucky, you know, he has some bad luck at the beginning of the season. And that's what Stanton was falling into. Every time he hit the ball, the, all the stat cast data was there, You know, but he was bad in 118. So, um, you know, that's something just to keep always in your back pocket. Uh, I think in the long run, it's going to definitely help you become a better a better fantasy player and just a better uh, fan in general. All right, now we're going to take a look at uh, five pitchers you should be uh, selling high and five pitchers you should be buying low for. And we're going to do this by looking at expectations versus reality. Um, so again, Mike Mart did an amazing job with this article. He, he's able to explain, uh, you know, ERA and FIP and expected ERA, and do it in a digestible way so you know you can better understand these stats when you do see them. So we're going to look at he. What he did was he took expected ERA and he subtracted it from actual ERA to better understand which players have bad luck so far and which players have are just you know getting lucky. So. The um, person, you know, and these are the players that you want to sell right now. Sell high while they're doing great. And we're going to start with Danny Duffy of the Kansas City Royals. Now, I own Danny Duffy in about as many leagues as you possibly can. Um, I like what I've seen so far is a K percentage in the, is in the 72nd percentile. Chase rate looks good is in the 85th percentile. Um, so, you know, that's kind of backing them up. Uh, you know, as far as explaining, you know, his success. But he currently has an ERA of, and again, this is on May 5th. So an ERA of 0.60, which is absolutely, absolutely incredible. But his expected ERA is 3.66 for a difference of 3.06. So, um, I mean, just I think if you get 3.66 from Danny Duffy, you're going to be happy no matter what. But he is not this ace. You know, obviously, this num- these numbers aren't sustainable. You did not need me to tell you that. But just if I re- if you have the opportunity and you- you're seeing that people, maybe someone um, had Luis Castillo or, um, you know, uh, Luis, uh, Lucas Giolito, who have been struggling with their ERA so far, maybe shoot over Dan- Danny Duffy, you know, and see what you can get for him. Um, I am thinking get one of those players, but I'm saying that someone who has those players' ERAs, it, it's, it's pretty damaged. And they're going to see that and say, okay, you know what? Yeah, I want Danny Duffy on my team that will help stabilize that. So throw it out there. I think it will uh, help you out in the long run. Um, next person uh, that we're going to look at here is uh, Taiwan Walker. So New York Mets, his ERA is 3.00, and his expected ERA is 5.06, which is expect- exactly what you would expect from Walker. Um, the difference is 2.06, so uh, a very big difference. I don't think anyone thinks he's, uh, you know, he's able. He's a three ERA pitcher. So if uh, again, if you have the opportunity to sell him, I don't know if there will be a market for him as much so as I would say for the couple other guys that are going to be on this list. But um, you know, if you can pair him with someone, maybe with a bat or something, eh, give it a shot. Uh, Kevin Gosman, the San Francisco Giants, so um, he had a good year last year as well. Uh, He was well-respected by the fantasy circles. You know, a lot of really smart people took him as their fourth, fifth pitcher. His ERA right now is 2.04, and his expected ERA is 3.98, so almost four, um, with a difference of 1.94. So um, I think he's overall pretty good. I mean, his fifth is uh, 3.24, so... I wouldn't necessarily want to trade him away, but if, you know, if you can kind of sneak him in and, and describe him to somebody as an ace, um, the numbers currently do back that up. So, you know, but overall, I would just hold Gosman. I think he's going to be good all year. Uh, number four on the list is Michael Pineda from Minnesota Twins starter. His ERA is 2.30. His expected ERA is 4.23 for a difference of 1.93. So almost, again, almost a two-run difference here. Uh, what to expect? So um, you didn't. No one invested too much in Pineda. I have uh, have him in a few draft and hold leagues. Um, but again, if you have the opportunity to to sell him, I definitely would. And then I think this is going to be the guy that's going to yield you the most results in a trade. And it's Marcus Stroman for the Mets. Number one, if you watch him play, he's so much fun to watch. You know, he's got the swag. Um, he's able to, I think, get the most uh, out of all of his pitches, and um, you know he's just a, an electrifying guy. So that's always flashy in fantasy. And then you throw on the fact that his ERA is 1.84, but his expected ERA is 3.59. So there's going to be some serious regression here coming soon. I hope it's not in a you know one of those big blowups because I actually do own Stroman in a lot of leagues. I'm personally holding. Um, just because I need to have a, he, he's my fourth, fifth starter in a lot of leagues. And I just, I don't, I don't know if it, in, in those leagues, I can't trade him. So obviously I am holding and in my home leagues, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I think he's worth holding on to, but again, if you can pair, you know, if you can trade him off as an ace and I think you can, I think you can possibly get, um, you know, a top tier B plus a minus pitcher and, you know, because of the the well the success the are were supposed to have, um, but yeah, it's an exciting it's an exciting time there, and I think uh, he holds a lot of trade value. So if you have the opportunity, I would definitely um, I would try to sell high on Marcus Stroman. A few other names on here: uh, John Means, and a uh, shout out to John Means. He threw his uh, he threw a, almost a perfect game um, against the Seattle Mariners a few days ago. Uh, they gave him the no hitter because of the drop third strike rule but either way you look at it so i don't know if this is i don't think this is updated with that in mind so i and i assume the 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 void's even bigger at this point but he's on the list uh Walker Buehler um he's got a 3.16 ERA his expected ERA is 4.49 so i don't know if you're maybe you can trade him in a bat for a Garrett Cole or um Maybe a Jacob DeCron, maybe someone's a little scared, you know, they're a little because of the uh, the injury and missing a start. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, worth a shot. Uh, Ian Anderson, so the young gun for the Atlanta Braves, 3.27 ERA and an expected ERA of 4.58 for a difference of 1.31. So there's going to be some regression there. And last person I'm going to look down this list Let's look at Jacob Agram just because it's fun. So he's got a 0.51 ERA. His expected ERA is 1.48. He is the best pitcher in baseball, without a doubt. Okay, now we're going to take a quick look at uh, pitchers that are currently underperforming. So these are going to be five pitchers that I feel like you can try to go out and trade for. Um, and expect that, um, you know, you can kind of, you know, buy low and, and get them that way. Um, number one is going to be Charlie Morton, so the old uh, the veteran on the Atlanta Braves. His ERA right now is 5.08. His expected ERA is 3.41 with a fifth of 3.67. So, you know, if you if you get a 3.41 ERA out of Morton, who has the ability to get a, a bunch of wins down there, uh, you know, for the Braves, a uh, great team, great offensive team. Yeah, uh, you know, I think you can uh, you know get him pretty easily. Um, another person, uh, you know, just behind him is Luis Castillo. So, and this is, I, I, and that's it's still not even a um, you know a, a buy low kind of thing because his his current ERA is six point zero seven and his expected ERA is four point eight six. So either way, you don't want anything to do with it. Dylan Bundy, his ERA is four point zero zero. His expected ERA is two point eight four. Dylan Bundy's a good candidate. They'll go out there and uh, try to target if you can. Um, Madison Bumgarner, his current ERA is five point five eight, and his expected ERA is four point four three. Now, this is just before his um, his performance from yesterday, where I'm pretty sure I don't think he let a let a run in like seven innings or something like that. So this kind of backs up, uh, so, you know, what this what these stats are saying that there is going to be. Um, you know, he, they are the there will be regression in the numbers, you know, and they're going to be in a good way for them. So a couple other people on this list. I know I'm going a little long here, but uh, I think this is uh, just a lot of fun for me to go through this. Another people, another person on this list is Kenta Maeda. So he seriously has disappointed in anyone who's invested in him in fantasy, uh, the twins um, uh, ace, you know, uh, at least he was last year. His current ERA is 5.34. His expected ERA is 4.43. So, you know, about a run difference. Um, still not good though. Uh, Lucas Giolito, just above him, 4.99 ERA. Expected ERA is 4.12. So, you uh, these are pitchers that you probably took second, third round. So, you're hoping for that to, uh, you know, get better for those two, and it will. You know, they're they're better than this. And, uh, you know, down the stretch, the AL, they'll play a lot of the AL Central. So always look forward to that. Uh, Just a couple more, um, Sandy Alcantara. So even though he's been absolutely incredible with a 3.19 ERA, his expected ERA is 2.46. So he could even be better, which is like, I mean, they're doing some great stuff down there uh, with Pablo Lopez, Alcantara. Sixto Sanchez would be back, you know, at the end of May. Um, It's just such an exciting group of pitchers. And we'll give a shout-out here. last person we're going to look at is um, uh, Logan. Uh, uh. It'll do Zach please, Zach. So Zach, please, Zach uh you know, Cleveland hurler. Uh, 4.78 ERA. Expected ERA is 4.12, so he's been a little unlucky, but nothing too too crazy. Just a difference of .066. Okay, well, that will do it here for me. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again for sticking around. Again, you can find me on Twitter. At uh, Marty underscore Tallman, a lead fantasy baseball analyst for Motor City Bengals. I also write and do a YouTube show for the Triple Play Network. Uh, Between the scenes, I do with my co-host uh, Matt. Uh, you know, we go through waiver wire pickups each week. Um, you know, we talk about Fab. We talk about point sleeves, We talk about Roto. You know, everything um, to get you ready for the next week coming up. So that way you can stay on top of your waiver wire. Um, you know, in-season maintenance is the way you win championships. So staying on top of that each week, the longer you stay on top of it and you go through the months, um, you know a lot of people are going to fall off. So if you're able to just stay consistent with that, you know you're going to do really well and a lot better in your league. So always uh, feel free to follow us on uh, the Triple Play Fantasy Network on YouTube. But yeah, uh, great. Um, you know, always excited to do this. Always really um, happy. Roger and Chris gave me the opportunity. And you guys have a good rest of your week and a good weekend. Bye bye.
2: So the next segment I wanted to bring up was, so I have Jason Pickham with me. He's a big Red Wing guy. He's, like I said, he hosts a podcast for almost four years, I think. Three, three. So three years. And one of the things I wanted to mention, and the reason why I bring this up right now is because people are comparing the rebuilds right now, the Red Wings, and every team is in a rebuild in and, and Detroit. And so Chris Hill Jones, both teams. And I, I wanted a, a person who knew hockey that, could speak wax poetic about it because i'll be honest uh well i'll ask you you i know you're from the up obviously but in terms of hockey is that something is there is that a sport you follow right
1: now in the nhl quite a bit or no i haven't in a long time when i was a kid i did and i was i was the only i was the black sheep of the family because i was the only one who didn't play hockey I was a basketball player <laughs> but uh, i followed a lot of hockey kind of fell out of it in the early 90s when i kind of got out of college um you know got married got into having a family and Baseball kind of took it over for me. That was about it.
2: Yeah, I used to collect those uh, sticker hockey sticker packs in the late 90s, and I collect a lot of hockey cards. And until probably the early millennium, I, I followed it, but I don't pay attention to it as much as I should. But, again, you know, when baseball takes over everything, it's kind of an encompassing thing. I so, was a first... kid,
1: though. It was big class was scoring the goals for the Red Wings.
2: Oh, well. I mean, <laughs> that was
1: big, big Ned. He was my guy. Well, I was more
2: into the – I was a, I was kind of upset when they traded Peter Klima to Edmonton. So, I mean, Klima, those were Tim Shevelday. Let's see, uh, Paul Isabart was another – uh, Ray Shepard was one of the 50-game scorers oh. for the Wings. I was a big Maple Leafs fan because I loved Doug Gilmore. I, I love those Maple Leaf teams of the early 90s with Felix Potvin, Wendell Clark, uh, Brad Marsh on defense, who was one of the last players without a helmet. Let's see. There's uh
3: welcome to Sports Radio Detroit's name some guys. Yeah, name some guys. There's <laughs> some
2: former Red Wings of the back in the day. There's, uh, of course, Gr- Glenn Hanlon and Greg Steffen. There, I could go on on the, the former Red Wing, but yeah, I go back further. I'm yeah, goal. no, uh, yeah, you you I'm know, what I'm goal. saying you could probably name any Red Wing goalie past 1986 because you got Ed me there. Jo- I...
1: Ed Jockerman and Jim Rutherford were the two who were goalies when I started watching.
2: That's you 78, go right? Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that 78, 79? Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rutherford, I'm familiar with. I have no idea who you said the first, the Rutherford's first time.
3: Rutherford's GM of, what, Pittsburgh now or Jersey? Jersey? I think yeah. it's Jersey.
1: He became a GM. He was a good goalie. Ed Jockerman was old in the 70s. He was a, a no-helmet guy. Uh, he was, like, all-star Rangers wow. in the
2: 60s. Wow. Oh, man. But at any rate, so... Jason bringing in? I Jason, let's talk about the roomings and what are they doing for the rebuild, comparatively speaking. Because we could talk about the Tigers right now with their farm system, what have you. But what, like in terms of improvements, go ahead and kind of do your thing.
3: Well, I want to start. I want to start by talking about the declines year over year, just from last year to this year. Because this year is kind of a weird year. I don't know how much you guys have known about the NHL season this year, but it's playing kind of similar to. Uh, a schedule you guys might be comfortable with where it's like four or five games a week sometimes. Cause it's a condensed 56 game schedule. Uh, but you know, this was the year that we saw the rise of Dylan Larkin uh, announced as captain before the season started. And then he promptly dropped 0.19 points per game. He's done for the season. Uh, I consider that to be an unacceptable drop uh, in performance. Granted, he has not had a consistent line all year and his usual line mate has been out since game nine in Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, he missed nearly the entire season. Uh, he was clipping at almost a point per game. Uh, and the the reason I bring up Bertuzzi is because this is the end of his RFA contract. And this is a man who was a first or second round pick and has been, uh, one of the notable names for the Red Wings. And to go into your big quote unquote, big contract year, he's 25. Uh, without us, you know, without a season to reference really is, uh, really hard. And it's going to be unfortunate. Uh, what I think is actually the biggest problem year over year is the development of pre-Iserman players. Uh, and the one I picked out for this episode to re- point out is a guy named Evgeny Sveshnikov. He's the brother of, uh, Carolina hurricanes, Andre Sveshnikov, which is quite frankly, why I think he was drafted. Uh, He's bad. He's a horrible player. He's, I mean, we have, we're looking at a guy who this season has been asked to step up in the second half of the season. He's played 20 games, seven points, and that's against an average of 11. Like, he's not getting time on ice because he's not, he turns off when it, it's defense, defense time, and he doesn't have the skills to do it on offense. He's 24 years old. 24 years old. He's going to be 25. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate. And then uh, the old stalwart, the last of the the Holland years, Danny DeKaiser, has become an actual obligation, in my opinion. Uh, he is a problem. Uh, you got 10 points in 45 games this year. The defensive mistakes are uh, numerous and hilarious and obvious and glaring. Same with the Tigers. So, I was going to say, I figured this would be a one-to-one comparison. <laughs> and he, he's very much lost a step. This is a guy who was when he was coming up was the, 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 the late round pick or college kid, I think who, you know, someday maybe he's sort of the Brandon Ninja of the tigers when he's, that's also Darren Helm, but uh, it's, he never got there. In my opinion, it's, it's really time for them to cut ties with him. Now, all that being said, here's the good things from this year. Michael Rasmussen an NHL caliber player. Now this is a guy who was drafted a couple of years ago. Uh, he is 21. Uh, he's got 10 points in 38 games, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but, this is a guy who's like 6'6, 240. Like, just he's a big mountain of a man who is not meant to be a scorer. And he used to have this problem where the second the puck started going the other way, he was kind of like Paul Walker in a scene where his light would just turn off and just <laughs> wait for his line. <laughs> like, he's just done. And this year, he is way more present in every play. And that's honestly really nice to see. Uh, it's a big difference um philip Ronick is another guy who he's 23 and i think he's kind of come to the point where he is an nhl caliber defenseman he's a middle pair defenseman uh statistically not so much this is a weird year he's down 0.05 points per game it's negligible uh he's down in ice time by 27 seconds uh but he's no longer invisible on ice which is the important thing this is a guy who has he went from being like you know someday you're gonna make a kid last year like bottom pair to and and still put up 23 minutes but this year his 23 minutes are like you're the guy like we we need you to be the guy which is not much on this team but it's something and it's it's he's never gonna be Larry Murphy or Nick Lidstrom but could he be Bob Rouse sure could he be you know one of those middle pair guys that you just never remember and you get to have fun naming them in 30 years, absolutely.
2: So, so, so it's a Jamer Canalario, it's got a fun name, yeah. And, and there you go, yeah.
3: yeah. And then, uh, the other big surprise this year uh, has been Adam Ernie. This is a guy who uh, was drafted, I think, in the first round by Tampa Bay a few years back. He's 25 now. Uh, and they cut ties with him. Uh, I don't remember why, but I remember it being sort of a, ah, this is never really going to happen for you, buddy. And last year he had five points in 56 games, which was like uh, we took a flyer on him. We got him for the veterans minimum. He was It was like, hey, he played some time, didn't he? Sure, <laughs> waiting for those new guys. So no Marzo. It, Yeah. No, Marzo. <laughs> yeah. This year he has 20 points in 45 games, uh, which is, I think, a significant of a, enough of a jump. Uh, that he could definitely be a bottom six guy. Uh, he can be, you know, uh, uh, a Draper, Malby, like he's not a McCarty, he's not a fighter. But could he be that Doug Brown style? You know, get a clutch goal in the first two games of a series? Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's what. But here's the here's the kicker with him: contract here. And as you guys discussed with Pujols, this is kind of what people do, especially not when you're at Pujols, but when you're on like an Ernie level where like you before this season we're never going to get there and now you need to play for money so you're going to play for money mm. um and the other big surprise this year and this is before i jump into what i think is the bigger thing of this year uh was the goaltending has been kind of amazing given that the team is actually terrible uh you know you're watching games where at times i've seen the the Warriors being outshot by Dallas like 55 to 12 which are numbers that should never happen in hockey, and you know, th- and Dallas only has like one goal or two goals. Like Bernier and Grice are guys who are never going to be a number one on any legitimate team, but in this role, they're they're really thriving. You know, they are doing exactly what you want out of goalies who exist during rebuilds, which is eat minutes and make sure that your players feel like they have an environment that they can excel in which I think is very important to differentiate, and I'll get back to that later. I'm sorry, it's a little long-winded. But the main hoopla, the fireworks this season, was the last-minute trade deadline shocker of sending out Anthony Mantha, Richard Ponick, and a first and a second-round pick. Uh, Anthony Mantha was once considered a nearly untouchable building block of the future, uh, but his timeline was not really syncing up with the team. This is a guy who's 26 years old. And he's in the first year of a 5.7 million a year, five-year contract. I know you guys are baseball guys. Sure. It's the equivalent of like a 19 to $21 million player. <laughs> like that's, it's, it's top tier. It's not quite the top tier, but it's top tier.
2: Pay. Uh Would it be a Jordan Zimmerman and Chris, or would it be more like a Miguel or
3: it's not
4: Miguel it's numbers. So, sounds like a Zimmerman more Zimmerman. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like this step down. It's like not, you're not Scherzer. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, But I personally, my belief was that he always took off shifts, games, and even weeks because he just didn't care. Uh, I can't blame him because he was on the Red Wings in this year and the last few years. And that's not, you know, I get it. Um, But he's at that stage in his career where he definitely can be like a top six talent on a team. But to me, it seems like his attitude indicates that he'd prefer that team to be a cup contending team. Like, he will try if you are going to win. If you are not going to win, he will not be the guy. He does not want to be the guy. He has no desire to be the captain And A. He doesn't want any of that. He just wants to, you know, he wants to be the number two, ideally, it seems. This is totally conjecture. It's just my opinion. Um, so seeing Iserman come in and not only remove the financial obligation and apathy of a high skill player, but to get into return a similarly skilled player, which was drafted the same year, Jacob Rana, who's 25 and immediately has scored seven goals in nine games. I mean, he comes in and he just dominates. Uh, but to also get a buffer player because I don't know how much you guys know about the upcoming expansion draft. Seattle is becoming a team this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Richard Ponick is now perfectly in position to protect our talent because he meets all the qualifications of somebody that Seattle can take from our team. And we don't give a damn about him. Like he's just some guy. So he it's perfect. It's like come in play some games and then go to Seattle inevitably. But then to also get two top round draft picks is insane. Like that is, it, it's, I put in the notes and I stand by this, that is trading in video games on easy mode. Like that, <laughs> that straight up shouldn't happen. It's uh it's a win beyond all levels. Um, And then the thing I just want to touch on just from play this year has been that they are getting a level of play out of a skill of player that those two things don't match up. These are bad players that are increasing their penalty kill percentage, increasing save percentage, decreasing plus minus, because this was a team that was like minus 500 last year, and now they're minus 125 collectively. Um, And when you compare them, and like I said, this is the important part, you compare them to two nearby in-division teams in Columbus and Buffalo, who are both supposedly further along, and I'm using air quotes for the listeners, in their (laughs) rebuilds, Uh, Buffalo is fully a decade into their rebuild. They have one of the best players in the entire league at Jack Eichel, and they, at this point, at one point this season, they lost 18 consecutive games you know that and, and in <laughs> hockey where you have a 56 game season so you're losing a third of your season in a row <laughs> uh and Columbus at uh, lost 9 in a row you know Detroit at one point had an 8 game winless streak but Detroit just started its rebuild last year like i know that everybody knows it's been going on since 2016 2017 but they only officially restarted it going into 2019 2020 and to see a team that is that like nowhere into their rebuild being better than these two teams who are, we have our guys, this is our team. That gives me a lot of confidence going forward. However, and then I'm going to end it after this and I'm sorry, I've, I wrote Not way too sure. much. Um, the big concern to me is this off season. A lot of extremely bad players are slated to be off the books and Detroit. And this is what
2: very similar to the tigers. Keep going.
3: Uh, Detroit has tended to cling to players who present little to no value to any other team. Oh, very <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> Luke Glendenning, Darren Helm, Franz Nielsen, Danny DeKaiser, et cetera. Uh, however, these players and this behavior was all from the pre Eiserman era. The choices he makes this offseason will indicate, in my personal opinion, what his belief is in the talent as it stands. Good to decent players up for contracts include Tyler Bertuzzi, Jacob Rana. Adam Ernie, Michael Rasmussen, Gustav Lindstrom, Philip Hronick, Sam Gagne, Bobby Ryan, and Jonathan Bernier. I know that's a lot to drink in, but those are the guys you want to look for to be signed this offseason, in my opinion. Gagne, 50 50, it's a toss up. And same with Ryan. They're both veterans minimums. You can get them for nothing. And they're guys who are going to put up, you know, 18 to 25 points in a full season. And they'll be the guys who can, you know, sort of guide your youth into being actual NHL players. And they'll they know how to get through it um dennis cheloski is 23 he's an rfa this season and in my personal opinion he's never going to be an nhl level defenseman that being said i sure have seen a lot of articles and media stories done about him in the last two weeks mm-hmm. so i am very concerned about that it, it, it makes me feel like somebody is trying to sell me on him and uh if that's the case I'm serious but this they're scouting i think cheloski's and I think, as I said earlier, the team absolutely needs to give up on Evgeny Sveshnikov. Uh, if, I want to give a sh- if I may give a shout-out to where I cited most of this information from, Prashant Iyer, he did an incredible four-part, like, 5,000-word deep dive on the Wings options this offseason. It's on MLive.com. 100% worth your time. Uh, and then I'll just finish this by saying, due to Eiserman's maneuvers, the Detroit Red Wings have 22 draft picks over the next two seasons. Ten of those are in the first two rounds. They would usually have four wow. assuming the scouted scouting is as good as Iserman has is shown to create in Tampa. That is the grounds 100% for a great rebuild. All this was ma- all this goes without mentioning the cap space. They'll have 48.5 million in cap space against the $81 million cap next season with the expiration of Helm, Fopla, Glenn Denning, and Mark Stahl's contracts. And that allows Iserman the flexibility to make bold offer sheets. An example I cited was Elias Patterson is up for an RFA next year. And he's a player That is a top 10 player in the league that you can walk in and, uh, you know, drop, put it out on the table and say, here's an $11 million offer. (laughs) If you want to be great next year, you know, uh, I didn't take it off for air. Uh, (laughs) It's not likely, though. I don't know if they do this in the MLB, but in the NHL, the GMs have an obscene respect for each other. And it's they probably won't. Uh, and then as far as the system goes, you have Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond who are going to be, just based on what I've seen, NHL-level talent for many years to come. These are guys who were drafted in the last oh, two seasons.
2: The opposite, Go of, ahead. opposite of Is time. it really? Okay,
3: so now let's compare these two. Well,
4: <laughs> just real quick, I want a, a couple questions I have for you, Jason. That was good work, I, you know, breaking it all down.
3: I shortened I, it. I had a lot no. I didn't read. <laughs> well, that's
4: – I and I have not followed – the Red Wings very closely and it probably in a decade or more. Uh, but I do love prospects. It just about a good
2: all, time to
3: get in
4: just about all in all capacities. But I, I was wondering, I remember, was it Philip Zadina was a guy? I don't know if you mentioned him. I don't know what your impressions of him are.
3: Okay. So Zadina is another case of those. He's got special, syndrome, like Paul Walker syndrome. Like he has a lot of go, um, He can score. I mean, forty-seven games this year, nineteen points, six goals. It's not great, um, and that's with seventeen minutes. Like, it's fine. I think he's. If you're asking my personal opinion, I think he's golden trade bait. I think he's the kind of guy that you hype up the fact that he was drafted high, you play the highlight reel, and you see if you can get a. Maybe a second. If you can squeeze a first since you're Steve Eiserman, you can get a first out of anybody <laughs> for any reason. Just to Do you it. trade him
4: a signed jersey.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. Cause the fact that they okay, so to understand the Mantha Verana deal, if you don't understand hockey, it's you traded the same player for the same player. Like mm-hmm. Jacob Ron and Anthony Mantha. if you go look at their careers until that day, their points are I think within one or two of each other. Verana's a year and a half younger. Verona hasn't been signed and you have all the money to sign him. And he was doing it on like, with like fourth line minutes. Anthony Manta was putting up the same numbers while being, you know, one of the guys in in Detroit. Verona was a second or a third line player. Like to, to not only make that swap, but to add in, I'm not going to let any of my guys go in this expansion draft. And you're going to give me a first and a second. Like, no one even thought Mantha was going to get beyond a first. Like, we all thought it was going to be, if we can get a first Samantha, sweet. Maybe you can get a second too. Cool. To get all that back, you know, I, I think, uh, I can't remember her name, uh, Dory, something Dory on uh, Puck Soup a couple weeks ago said it perfectly. If you're a GM in the NHL and Steve Eiserman calls you, stop yeah. answering the phone yeah. <laughs> because he's like, going to hey, face you.
4: Well, like a Dave Dombrowski.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dombrowski, you can – I mean, you can answer the phone because you're going to get his entire farm system for a guy yeah, who's 29 years
2: old. That's true. <laughs> uh,
4: it, it, the one other thing I had, um, you mentioned that they were getting performances out of guys this year that are kind of above their level. And mm-hmm. uh, at least out of some guys, you're saying. And and I'm curious if you think that's just kind of uh, just the nature of, of randomness or if – I don't know. Is there something to Jeff Blaschel? Do you think that he's going to stick around? Or, Man, or I
3: was hoping coach? you wouldn't ask that. Uh, it's such a tough question because he's up for a contract this year. They haven't signed him. Um, and I don't have an answer because uh, before this year, if you would have asked me, I would have said he's garbage. Like he's trash. He's, he's, he doesn't seem to know. He juggles his lines constantly. There's no rhythm to this team. You know, last year, looking at a minus almost 500 as a team like that's impossible like that's an average of six goals against per game (laughs) as a team like that's yeah you know and and he killed jimmy howard you know but all that being said if you ask me this year i'm more inclined to say maybe keep him because something he's doing is working i mean this team you have nobody performing, but everybody's performing, which is a wild thing. If you look at the stats, the highest scorer on your team in 54 games played or 44 games played is Dylan Larkin with 23 points. So nobody's scoring, but everybody's scoring a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the schedule. It's a weird schedule. We're playing baseball style where you'll play Dallas four games in a row for a whole week. It's been wild to see. Um you mostly play back-to-backs and or three games in a row. And I think that plays a factor in it. Um, but the goaltending has been beyond stellar. And I wonder how much of that is just two guys trying to prove it. Or if it's something about Blashell, Cause again, this team is, this team should be on roster construction alone. And with how much the good guys have been out, you know, Larkin is on pace to miss 12 games this year. Uh, Bertuzzi is on is going to miss 47 games out of 56. Oof. Robbie Fabry is going to miss 16 game, or 26 games out of 56. You know, Manta is traded. These are guys who made your team with them missing that much time. You should be like a 10 to 15 win team. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting at what? 17 or 19 wins, 18 wins, 18, 27 and nine. Uh, you know, they're, It's not great. It's eighth in the division. It's still bad. But if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have never, you couldn't have paid me to say they would win 18 games. So there is something going on. Although again, it's really hard to tell because it's like wondering, you know, an NL team's batting average when they had the DH for that period of time, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Is it, is it better? No, it's a little extenuating circumstances. So yeah, that's interesting. Because you have a lot of players, you know, in just in the league are just, you know, missing time because they 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 don't get to rest and they don't get to practice because of the COVID restrictions. So they're just playing day off, play day off, play, play, day off, play, 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 day off. Like there's just no real rhythm to get into. So would I resign Blashall? Um I might give him another year. Maybe two, yeah. probably one. He's probably going to push for two, though. If he pushes yeah, for I would, two, I like, might decline.
4: That's tough. Yeah, I, I don't know if he would have any leverage to say, "Well, I'll just go be a coach somewhere else." He probably <laughs> no. doesn't. So no, nope, you maybe, won't. Maybe, you'll maybe,
3: go. You'll go somewhere else and get uh, no offers and no money. So,
4: so maybe like a one-year deal with. I don't know if they do options for coaches or whatever, but yeah. So I don't know. So, it, it's fascinating. It's it's how important a good GM is.
3: So, well, so the you reason know. I wanted – I approached Roger about this is because the Tigers started this before the Red Wings. Am I correct? Yep. Yeah, 2017. 2017,
1: yep. Yeah.
3: <laughs> was it official then or was that you guys knew? No. Well,
1: so
4: I think people suspected it back to 2015. Okay. Uh, they kind of saw the what was coming. But then they tried to kind of rebuild on the fly the way they did in, in 2010 yeah. where Dombrowski traded away – uh, David Price and got Matthew Boyd and Daniel Norris and he traded away Jonas Cespedes and got Michael Fulmer and was like, hey, they've really done some things here with their I pitching. I remember
1: that. You know, uh, they, they signed and up then Zimmerman.
4: Yeah, and then uh, a week later, he was fired for, I guess, for throwing in the towel. Essentially, oh. I, I mean, he he was due a contract anyway, and so who knows what was going on behind the scenes there. So then they, and then yeah, so Al Avila was given the reins and Mike Illich, wanted to keep going for it. So they went out and spent, uh, as you said, they, they went and signed Jordan Zimmerman and they signed Mike Pelfrey and they signed uh, Mark Lowe. Mike
3: Pelfrey. Oh God. <laughs> and
4: then, and then they signed uh, and uh, what's his name? Mike Velas too. And that seemed like it was going to be it. And then, um, I don't know, it was in February or, or late January where Mike Illich got that uh the, the famous Illich itch where he's like, you know what, uh I need a superstar. And they went out and signed Justin Upton too. So they you know they spent all this money and they were a decent team in twenty sixteen. I think they were contending all the way to the final week of the season. And uh yeah. they didn't quite get done and they, they were trying again in twenty seventeen and then it kind of fell apart down the stretch and that's when they traded Verlander and they traded JD Martinez and they traded Upton and it was like, all right, this is a for real rebuild and had the first pick in the draft and then sucked in 2018. We're one of the worst teams of all time in 2019 sucked last year after injuries. They're one of the worst. Which one the first overall pick Uh, Casey Mize. Is he good? Uh, I mean, he's he's a top 25 prospect. He has struggled. He's in the majors now. He came up last year. He struggled, uh, I think, more than people would like, but he's shown some signs. But he's he's a different kind of pitcher than I think a lot of people would expect to get from the number one overall pick. Like, he's a guy who's going to go out there and get weak contact and kind of keep hitters off balance rather than strike out 14 people.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and oh, so you first-round drafted Kenny Rogers?
4: Oh, I mean, he's a right-hander. He's got a great arm. He throws. He's up at you know. He'll hit ninety-seven. Uh, okay. He may even hit ninety-eight. Out of college, he had uh, this devastating split-finger fastball. It was you know one of the best pitches in the draft. That's kind of abandoned him in pro ball. He just doesn't have it anymore. It's it, he throws it, but it's not good. Oh. But he but he's got enough other pitches to su- uh, succeed. It's just it's not. It's not the Justin Verlander sort of ace that that you would might expect to get from the first overall pick. He looks like he's got a chance to be a solid uh, above average, even like number three starter, maybe even a number two in his prime. Uh, but it's just it's it's just not. It's been a struggle for him so far. But you know he's young and, and he's figuring it out. So
1: he's a, he, he can hopefully be a very valuable pitcher, just probably not a Cy Young guy.
4: Exactly. That's yeah. It's a good way to call it. I mean, it, there's all-star Indeed. potential there, I suppose. But well, it's you know, it, it's sometimes it's your uh, you're kind of beholden to the talent in the draft. Like I've heard the NHL draft this year isn't necessarily super super. There's not a superstar at the top, right? Like they don't I think,
3: really know. It's it's that's the like problem. The, there's no scout. The kid stuff. from
4: Michigan. Kid from Michigan might go first over. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but that a lot of what you're hearing about the NHL draft is based on they they're guessing because it's yeah. It, so the, what they have access to is college players. Yeah, they don't have access to Sweden. They don't have access to Europe, really. I mean, they can text and email and stuff, but it's not the same as being there. Uh, so this year, that I think that's going back to that trade. I think that's why they were really good at first this year because mm-hmm. nobody knows anything about any of the players. I mean, they know some. But it's yeah. not, you know, it's not the level of like years before where, you know, if nobody really falls in the NHL drafts. And I, I think that might be so part of my perspective on the first overall pick for the MLB. Cause I, I always forget the MLB draft has, it's like we're still doing the 2015 one right now, right? Yeah. Like it's got like yeah. 7,000 rounds. Well, so, so it's so interesting,
4: and, and I didn't, I didn't consider that for the NHL. And obviously that makes sense. Like, yeah, that they're, you know, people, the, the world was shut down basically. Uh, but last year, they, they cut the draft to just five rounds because of m- money issues. Um, and, and there were a lot of high school kids who didn't get seen. Like, the top-ranked high school kids play all throughout the summer and get seen by everybody. But other guys who would normally pop up in the summer uh, weren't – you know, the, the seasons were scuttled in, in March, so they didn't get to play at all. And uh, so a lot of really good kids ended up on college campuses this year and – I mean, and there were a couple kids who snuck through. Like, there was a kid the Rangers took that nobody had in their top five hundred draft prospects. They found him, and he's so far he's looked really good for them. So it's like, hey, if you got, you know, if you you know somebody who knows somebody, maybe you could find this great young Swede. But yeah, it's, uh, other, other than that, uh,
3: it's the rare time I've agreed with Mickey Redmond recently because he's kind of falling out. way off the wagon as far as like <laughs> on-air capabilities. Like, oh. it's, it's really sad now because all he does is talk about like. We need to lift the COVID restrictions and anyways. Uh, So when he's not busy being a psychopath, he'll he'll drop out stuff every now and again. Like he said, this year will be the first year that you've seen in a long time where there will be a great story late in like the fourth round, Mm -hmm. which you wouldn't have seen before because they wouldn't have been drafted or they might've been drafted in the first round and it wouldn't have been as good of a story. So that will be interesting going forward. Next year is slated, the, the following year, 2022, is, like, three, supposedly there's two to four generational players mm. in, in that draft pick. So I'm hoping that, you know, one of Prashant's methods, you know, saying going out and, you know, taking it out and putting it on the table and signing Pettersson, well, that would be fun to flex the money that you have and have a player mm. like Pederson. I almost don't want them to <laughs> I, because, <laughs> you know, Iserman still has to clear out a lot of Holland's – uh Mistakes here that are still on stink room.
1: Here's a question I have, and I really enjoyed listening to the whole thing, Jason. It was great. Um, When you look at the Tigers' rebuild and the Red Wings' rebuild, it kind of sounds like on the same time frame, more or less. A big frustration a lot of folks have with the Tigers is we're, you know, started in 17, here we are in 21. They On the 26-man roster, forget about the minors, on a 26-man roster right now, they have maybe three to five guys who I think we can feel confident will be part of the next playoff team, assuming they have one. (laughs) It sounds to me like the Red Wings have more pillars in place than that. Uh, How many did you say? I would say the Tigers have three to five guys right now out of a 26-man roster Hmm. who will be on the next playoff team.
3: One, two, let me just look down this list. Three, Mm -hmm. four, five. Oh, that's a big drop. Six. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seven, if they sign Vrana. Yeah, so seven-ish right now, I would say. The roster is what, 22 or 20? 20, but I'm looking at everybody who's played this year for the team. I'm Mm -hmm. not looking at an official roster. So that includes guys like. Taro Hirose, who's played like six games and is now back in the minors. Taro, by the way, if you ever hear that name, it's a mistake. He's never going to be anything. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, they got about six or seven guys, depending on if Ernie sticks around. Um, Rasmussen, I think, is definitely like a – I'm not comparing him to this player, but type of player, like a Keith Primo style where it's like he's not going to put up 50. But, you know, will he be like a 40, 45 point a year guy? Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, kind of what most of this team is.
4: I'm trying to remember who did they trade Primo for? I remember that was when Shanahan. I was in Shannon. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. That worked out okay, I guess.
3: Yeah. They traded him to Hartford at the time. Yeah. For, With that. Uh, yeah. The, the, the Stanley Cup. That, that was the trade that won them the cup. Yeah. So, which that's why I've always kind of, when you compare the Tigers and the Red Wings, it has been so much easier with the Tigers to give credit. You know, it's Dave Dombrowski, period. Like, the team was complete garbage. Dave Dombrowski comes in. They become relevant. He leaves and probably lights the fires on the way out, from what I can tell. <laughs> and now they're like, a, I've heard Roger say directly, a 4A team. Yep. With the Red Wings, it's always been kind of hard to pinpoint, because Jim Nil did a lot of the building. And for some reason, Ken Holland gets a lot of the credit. Mm -hmm. You know, if you actually look it up, he didn't become the GM until after they won their first cup, which means every player that won them all four of their cups, he did not draft because they were all drafted long before that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a, you know, you're the guy who LeBron throws the alley-oop to. You're not (laughs) LeBron. Like, (laughs) I don't understand how Ken Holland never got clout.
4: Well, now, so didn't, again, this is, I haven't paid a lot of attention, but didn't he land like Datsuk and Zetterberg.
3: Yeah, it, when nobody was out. drafting in Sweden. Nobody yeah, was in Sweden yet.
4: I mean, I don't they deserve some credit? but if that if it's not Holland it's somebody else that that was like hey, let's, you know, raid Europe. Somebody they did something right there.
3: I yeah, they were I mean, they were already raiding Europe before that's how they found Lidstrom. If you look, Lidstrom yeah. is, you know, undoubtedly a top 2 defenseman in the history of the game. Well, that like was like 89, right? 90, 91. He was drafted in the 3rd yeah. round. Yeah. Like like, he shouldn't have gotten past the first round, but nobody was in Sweden yet. And it's the same for when they found Zetterberg and Datsuk was in Russia. Um, I'll give him credit for those two. And I'll give him credit for later on trading Datsuk's contract for a pick, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. Like He was always pretty good at trading when his team was already good. Mm-hmm. But as the pieces started to fall apart, and Dombrowski kind of had this problem too, he lost it. He just couldn't do it anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's why I'm more excited than anything about this team, which is kind of why I feel bad for you guys having to do a Tigers podcast because by all accounts, and I heard this with Roger on the podcast the other day, the uh, the Woodward one, Al is like not Steve Iserman. No. Is it like how bad is it?
4: We got a bunch of questions, and one of them I'm is trying ser- to
3: segue for you.
4: Seriously, why is Ala Vila still employed? So um, I I guess the best way to put it right, here I'll throw I'll, I'll put him in here in the chat. That's from Ryan Sheedy. Uh, we, we we talk about it all the time, but Ala Vila was in charge of the teardown basically, and he traded away the best Tigers pitcher in my lifetime, Justin Verlander. And they're going to get basically nothing out of that deal. Yep. It, it appears. Uh, and Ooh, trade, away, trade away, JD Martinez. They're not getting anything out of that deal. Trade away, Justin Upton. They're probably not going to get anything out. Like the, he traded the best players on the team and, and he's not going to get anything. He's made some decent, smaller moves since then, but that those were the moves you needed to hit on. And, and he got nothing out of it. And it's, it's, I always call it the original sin of the Advila administration. It's, it's what's going to haunt him for the rest of his time. However, much longer he has, And fans are calling for him to get fired now pretty heartily, at least on Twitter. You know, Twitter's not necessarily the real world, but... True.
3: True. But, I mean, Millen had, what, three years of making embarrassing mistakes and then he was gone?
4: Yeah, and this is where Avila is is, uh, sheltered by the nature of baseball and the draft, where they've been able to... He's been there when they were, he started there. They had like the 30th ranked farm system, according to MLB pipeline that, mm-hmm. that does these things. And, and then they're all the way up to number two for this year. So they point to that and say, Hey, look at this, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it really does. Like Ask they've content. got,
1: some... you can, you can always sell hope. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, but isn't
3: that, isn't that like, I wanted to touch on that from what you guys were talking about earlier. Isn't that kind of what all teams in all sports do now? Now that it's so profitable, you can just be bad and keep people on that drug of hope, and not have to actually do anything or pay anybody. Not, not
4: necessarily. I mean, you see some of that in, in I guess in other. There are definitely some baseball teams that do that. That, that. Uh, I but I don't even say they don't. They don't stay bad. They just operate with little money and, and get rid of their good players whenever they start to get expensive. But these other teams, like Tampa, for example, or Cleveland or Oakland, have developed ways to really get good players later in the draft, in the international market. And, they, you know, Tampa made the World Series last year. It was a strange year, but I think their payroll was probably, I don't know, 28th, 25th in baseball. I I don't remember exactly.
3: I'm wondering how long it will be until baseball, which I know is, like, the most conservative of all sports, I'm wondering how long it will be until they start adapting the NHL, NBA, NFL style where it's like average age in the league has gone down by nearly a decade in the last three decades. And MLB seems to be like the last holdout of that era of like, well, players don't really get good till they're like 26 and then they're good until they're like 35. And then in the every league, it's like they're, they better be good by 24 and we're probably going to be done with them by the time they're 31.
4: <laughs> well, so it, what's interesting is is we may have seen the first step toward that this last uh, last year when they they contracted thirty plus teams in the minor leagues, and what we've seen throughout the history of baseball is the really good players move very quickly. Yeah, there's a kid named Juan Soto for the Washington Nationals. He showed up when he was nineteen. He basically motored through the minors, and he's one of the best uh, hitters in major league history, age twenty two or whatever, and what we're going to find is teams are going to realize that you could move the best of the best players much more quickly, even if they're not tearing up the minors, you can get them to the majors earlier and they don't need to spend two or three or four years in the minors. And, and I think we might see that. I don't know if that will necessarily change. Because they're still, they're, particularly with pitchers, they're pitchers who continue to be very effective all the way up through their mid, even their late 30s. And I, I don't think that, I mean, not all of them, some of them, Verlander was still a Cy Young caliber pitcher when he was 38, I think, you know, and uh, it, it's pretty rare. So I, I don't know if we'll see that, but I do think we might start seeing a lot more players debut younger over the next few years, just because the nature of getting rid of those those teams, it's just going to kind of move up the development just because it has to.
3: Well, I think the other part of it too is that it feels like this is an easy way if you're in a group of guys who want to stay billionaires to make more money is you pretend or you accentuate the youth of the game because those players cost less and you don't get your Albert Pujols and your Miguel Cabreras and your Troy Tulowitzkis or your Carlos Gonzalez or Gomez, is it Gonzalez? Like you don't get those $400 million contracts as much if you're, at, you're accentuating 22 and 25 year olds versus 29 year olds.
4: Yeah. And and there's definitely a,